And a warm good morning. Welcome to yet another edition of Brunpunt, where we tackle controversial issues that affect our Christian world on a daily basis. Well, the topic for discussion this morning, all about multicultural churches in South Africa. The church is called to be both an instrument and a sign of the kingdom of God on earth as an instrument The church is God's agent in the world, showing and sharing the love of Jesus to a broken and hurting world. And as a sign, the church is supposed to point to the kingdom of God, acting as a credible witness to its reality and its power. People in this world are supposed to look at the church and say, that's what the kingdom of God looks like. In this sense, It's a window into the kingdom encouraging others to join the fellowship of faith bound together in Christ. In Revelation, the Bible, God's word, says men and women will gather around the throne of God for eternity. And they will come from every tribe and tongue and nation. But when we look across the landscape of churches around the world, and in South Africa in particular, most are far too monocultural. There is a lot of talk in our churches, yes, and amongst the pastors and the leaders and the scholars about the need for our churches to be more multi-ethnic and multicultural, but it's not often accomplished. Pursuing diversity is a good thing, you should say. But we must be clear what we are talking about. A church can be multi-ethnic if it has persons of different ethnic backgrounds who attend. But if people of various ethnic groups listen to the same music, eat the same food, hang out at the same entertainment venues, and go to church together, that's not multicultural. They have assimilated to a common culture. It may be multi-ethnic, but it's still monocultural. Join Brumpent this morning in the pursuit of God's multicultural church here on earth, and in particular in South Africa. Don't stray or go away, as we'll be back with our respondents right after this. Welcome to the program Brumpent on this Friday morning. Well, as promised, my respondents on a line this morning, and all the way from Bloemfontein, Pastor Tzolo Kukuno, I hope I pronounced that uh, correct. Uh, Tola, good morning to you and welcome. Just in a nutshell, your background, bio, and your involvement with the church, please. Yes, I, I'm a, a speed washer at a church called the Fifth State Bible Church in Bloemfontein and have been serving there for plus minus seven years. We are a multicultural church and um, also multiracial. And if you want to make the distinctions between the two, uh, we would say yeah, multi-ethnic and also you know, striving to be multicultural. So that's the church that I serve. And yeah, uh, it's been a pleasure to, to serve the Lord by His grace. He saved me uh, when I did not deserve it. So I'm happy to be part of this discussion. That's an important topic. Thank you so much, Cholo. Not your first time on Radio Pulpit. Indeed, a privilege to welcome you back. The other respondent this morning certainly needs no introduction, the well-known Reverend David DeBrain. Uh, David, good morning to you and welcome. Just in a nutshell, your background bio, those who have not met you before. Oh, thanks, Raynaud, for having me. Um, I've been uh, serving the Lord at New Covenant Baptist Church for the last 19 years in Johannesburg. 
Uh, been, uh, it's been a joy to be with Radio Pulpit since 1999 and um, just uh, enjoying sharing the word with others. So I'm glad to be part of this program. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us this morning. The topic for discussion, multicultural churches in the world and indeed in uh, South Africa. There's a saying that says Christianity should erase ethnicity, social distinction, employment status, etc., I've shared with you in the intro to this program the definition of multi-ethnic and multicultural uh, churches. Does that apply to us in South Africa, our church uh, environment in South Africa, or what is your understanding of it? Cholo, can I start with you? It's my understanding of it is that it is a good thing in general. You read from Revelation chapter 7 verse 9, and there we see God's design and how he will save people from every tribe, tongue, nation, um, and they will worship the Lamb. So it is a good thing. Um, but at the same time, I would want to add that monoethic churches uh, could still be faithful in spreading the gospel of Christ. But if, if Christ has, has placed us in a, in a community where we're able to be diverse and have the desire and the giftedness to uh, reach out to the diverse people groups, the people that God has brought along our paths, then we should reach out to those people, but still being mindful that God is the one who saves. So I do not see it as something that we should uh, manufacture, even though I see it as a good thing, as a gospel picture of what will be the new heavens and the new earth, but uh, it should not be manufactured by us or engineered by us. We, we should strive for faithfulness and for the glory of God and, and God chooses to save whom he chooses to save, and he sends to us whomever he wants to send. So the demographic also, and the location, and all those things, you know, do play a role in terms of who is in the church and who's not in the church. And we can do something about who is in the church and who's in the church. Maybe we'll talk about that a bit later. David, Cholo made mention of diversity, and we certainly live in a very diverse country. What is your understanding of multi-ethnic, multicultural churches and the church landscape as we see it in South Africa? Yeah, well, I'm exactly where Cholo is on that. Uh, he put it so well. Um, diversity and the need to uh, see that what we're going to see in Revelation is commended but not commanded. Uh, it's a good thing, but it is not something that we need to engineer in a kind of a artificial way, like wanting an apple tree to look fruitful so we sticky tape apples to the branches. What we need to do is be faithful and trust that God is going to uh, make up our churches precisely as he wants them to be. What we should never do is place a barrier uh, before anyone who wants to hear the gospel, make it difficult mm. for anyone of any ethnicity to enjoy fellowship in our churches. Uh, so so there's, a, there's a ditch on either side here. Of course, there's the ditch of actually trying to keep your church one ethnicity deliberately and trying to exclude others. Well, that's just mm. pure partiality. It's forbidden by the book of James. It's sin. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the other side of the ditch is to become so oversensitive that our church needs to look a particular way that mm. at the expense of being faithful in our preaching, we start to try to jiggle with the appearance and try to actually engineer the makeup. And we're really mm. not called to uh, engineer the outcomes. 
we're called to be faithful that the door is wide open to all. All right, you've both used the words engineering the outcome. However, there are denominations, there are churches in South Africa hoping for a a more diverse community in their church, a diverse uh, congregation. How do we start this? Where do we even begin with something like that? Uh, Can you give us some advice, Cholo? Yes, I I can, because, you know, our church is situated in a place that is very strategic, I think, in terms of reaching out to diverse people groups. So whoever we see who comes along our path and who lives in and around our church, we reach out to all of them. So we do not exclude certain people because we realize these are the people that live in this area. So young, old different ethnicities, we reach out to all of them. I think the the sin that we'll commit is if we choose only a specific people group or even a a specific social status group, that would be a problem. So when I talk about engineering, I'm talking about whoever God brings along our path, we should reach out to those people with the gospel because they all need the gospel. But at the same time, you may be in a place where, for example, if I make an example with the township where I come from, you cannot have a a, a multi-ethnic uh, church there, but you can still be faithful. And you cannot do anything to try and reach out to other people. Otherwise, you'll get people to travel 60 kilometers to get to your church. But what I'm saying is, if you're in an area where God has brought along your path, people who you can reach out to, then you can be more deliberate, more intentional. But also, there may be certain things that you will need to learn. For example, if you don't learn the language or don't know the language, but you desire to reach out to a certain group of people, that might be a barrier, even though they're in your area. And you may need to maybe put in more effort to try and reach out to, to those people. So just being aware, but also knowing that this is God's work and God will choose who he wants to be part of his church. So that's what I mean by engineering. I'm not saying, you know, do things that are above and beyond or even say there's something wrong when there isn't uh, a you know, representation yeah. of multi-ethnicities. But when you neglect it deliberately or don't put in the effort, then I will say work on that. Ask God to help you to have the skills, the abilities, the language, a proficiency to be able to reach out to God's people yeah. who need to hear the gospel. Um, as every nation and tongue needs right. to hear the gospel. Okay, David, we made a mention in the intro of this program, there's a lot of talk in our churches, especially amongst pastors, leaders, scholars, about the need for churches to be more multi-ethnic, multi-cultural. However, it has also been said that churches are supposed to be hospitals for sinners, not museums for saints. If you reach out to the the unsaved and invite them to churches, uh, certainly there will be a lot of challenges when we look at it from a multicultural perspective. What is your understanding? What would you say with regards to that, uh, David? When your church is diverse, um, like my local church is, the differences don't disappear. But in fact, you don't want them to disappear. The the differences is what makes the church rich. It may, what's, it's what mm. makes the church enjoyable. Um, we want those differences. The point that yes. the book of Colossians makes is that when Christ is all in all, the differences don't matter. 
they they fade into the background. They just become kind of the the sauce on the meal. They're just an enjoyable spice of the whole thing. And what it really comes back to is, are you preaching the gospel clearly and robustly? Ephesians 2 tells us that Jesus Christ in his cross had made of Jew and Gentile one new race, one new anthropos, one new ethnicity. What that means is if you're preaching the cross properly and deeply, people will come to understand that at the foot of the cross, our differences all have to be surrendered. There's no boasting for Jew, no boasting for Gentile. Because to accept Christ is to accept a new identity and a new life and a new family. What that then means is in the body of Christ, when the Bible says there's neither male nor female, neither Jew nor Greek, it's not saying the differences are no longer there. It's saying that the differences are now absorbed into a new body, a new thing, a new entity in which these things are no longer boasting points, and they're no longer points of division. We're no longer using them against each other. Instead, Mm. we're putting them into the melting pot, enjoying them, understanding them, uh, learning how to dwell with each other and maintaining the unity the Spirit has given us. So, Mm. uh, you you know, the, the, the answer there is basically... You're going to have problems when you have a diverse church, but problems is what is part of progress. It's what Ecclesiastes says, you know, where no oxen are, the crib is clean. So if you, if you don't want growth and if you don't want people, then that's fine. You don't have to have problems. Uh, if you want people and you want growth, you'll have problems. In Christ, though, with a gospel robustly preached, um, those problems are simply part of the unity. Renan, can I please add to that? Yes. Because, yeah, I like what David is saying, because in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about the body of Christ being one body and different uh, parts. And But if you think of it as the church universal and not just the church that we see with our visible eyes, Christ already has saved and baptized by one spirit into his body, Jew, Greek, slave, free, everybody. It may be that in certain areas we don't see the diversity, but the Church of Christ, universal, is a diverse church. And what helps is when we have these fraternals and get-togethers and see one another and, and, and know about one another, then we are able to see that we really truly are united. There may be those differences and difficulties with regards to how do you do things multiculturally. I, too, struggle, even though I'm a pastor of a multi um, ethnic church, I struggle with different ethnicities, and I too, even though I'm an African, struggle with understanding some of the African things, and I still have to learn. But the, that's the beauty of the gospel. We are all growing in sanctification, and God will bless His work as long as we're faithful to the gospel of Christ and emphasizing the greatest need of a human being, which is the salvation of their soul. All right. And God will do the rest. All right. I know the gospel is all about forgiveness and what the Lord has done for us and, 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 and the theme throughout the gospels about forgiveness and what Christ has done for us. But a fact remains with the hurts of the past in South Africa. Do you think we're willing to do what it will take to move our churches in, uh, uh, into a more multi-ethnic, multicultural direction? Are, are we willing, you think, to, to cross those barriers and, 
And, and what advice would you give to church leaders, church members who's listening this morning and say, yeah, we need to, to bring about this change for the glory of our Lord because of Revelation 7, every tribe, tongue, and nation. How, where, when do we start? How do you reach out to, to, to other communities and say, we'd like to invite you here? David, you think that's even possible with our past? Yeah, of course it's possible. That's the glory of the gospel, especially in a country like South Africa, where if we preach the gospel faithfully, um, we don't have to try to do what the world is doing. Uh, we see the power of the gospel that unites all ethnicities and brings them together. I mean, that's certainly been my experience. Um, as, as we've just simply tried to preach the word, it's drawn people. Now, of course, you know, we're not able to reach people in my church who don't speak English. Uh, and so we need to love those people in terms of how we send missionaries and church planting. But in our church, for people who, for whom English is a, a language they can easily use for discourse, by just preaching and discipling, we have a multi-ethnic church. Um, so in that sense, we're seeing in South Africa fleshed out in front of us uh, the wounds and the pains of apartheid slowly healing. Uh, we're seeing mm. people finding a deeper commonality in each other than they could ever find mm. even in their own blood, ethnicity, and so forth. Uh, what mm. I will say is we're at a precarious moment when we can make things worse by introducing ideas that are unbiblical regarding race, regarding ethnicity. And if we listen to those ideas that really aren't deeply scriptural, we can uh, really provide a cure that makes the disease worse. We need to be very careful that what we do doesn't inflame racial tensions. It doesn't mm. aggravate the condition by, by just using something which has, as Colossians says, the appearance of wisdom, but is of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. So we need to use solutions that don't just look good on the outside, because yeah. we think, oh, yeah, this will be great, this will bring the races together. But in fact, it's fleshly, it's fleshly wisdom. Um, and it ends up aggravating the condition. What we really need is deeply theological, robust, good expository preaching churches where the gospel is preached and modeled by the leadership, by the membership. That's what steadily heals the wounds uh, and brings uh, and real little islands of genuine reconciliation uh, amidst a country that's still hurting. Solo, so that being said, these are hard questions that we're asking this morning. But do you think our, our understanding of the Word of God, our interpretation of the Word of God is correct? And that's where things are headed? Is, is that what the Lord wants from us? Do you think we're interpreting God's Word correctly here? I think to, to an extent we are, because it is what we will see in the new creation anyways. But um, what I would uh, what I would uh, push against is to say that if that doesn't happen, then the church is not faithful because there are just circumstances that won't make that happen. But we we should try by all means to say here here are the things that we could do. For example, in Acts chapter six, you could take that as a picture of how you know there was division in the church early on and then there were people who were fighting over the distribution of the food and the apostles chose wisely people from different um, ethnicities 
to try and reach out to those who they could understand better. But they were all led by the Holy Spirit and men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom. And they were able to represent everybody. So if you have that, then you utilize what God has given you. But if we do not have what God um, you know, brings to us, then we cannot engineer it. But we can do better by, by trying to reach out to those who perhaps are far from us or are not from our cultures or ethnicities. Uh, because this is, yes, part of the design of the, of the gospel, but it is not a design that says if you are not doing it or if God is not doing it, actually, then there's something wrong with your church. I would say let's strive for it, let's pray for it. And in fact, God has brought to us uh, people who are able to speak English mostly in our country and we're able to have, you know, unity in the gospel. But let me just make one last example with our, with our church. I mean, our church is a, is a multi-ethnic um, church, but, you know, we only have one English speaker, native English speaker in the church, and the rest for us, English is a compromise. And that already has, has shown that we have come together, and when we have communion, we look at one another and we say, you are my brother, my sister, who... Without the blood of Christ uniting us, I wouldn't be sitting here eating this meal with you. And here's the gospel that's done something so powerful to bring us together to show that our cultural differences don't matter because what we see is my brother, my sister, who has been redeemed by the blood of Christ, given forgiveness of sins, regardless of what language and culture they come from. And and that's a that's a beautiful thing to have. But if you do not have it, you can still be part of that monoethic group of, of of people and still worship Christ faithfully, preaching His Word faithfully. And God will honor you if you honor the preaching of His Word accurately and faithfully. Without forcing the issue, uh, we're discussing multicultural churches in uh, South Africa. David and Tzola, you both clearly stated that the issue shouldn't be forced. It's God that puts together his church, that builds his church here on earth. So, David, in closing, are we interpreting Scripture correctly? Does it clearly reveal diversity around the throne? You think it is possible? Your final thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. The the aim of God is to reverse the Tower of Babel, uh, and he began doing that through the day of Pentecost, where uh, now uh, all nations, all tongues, all languages are going to be united in Christ. So this is the, the beauty of what God's doing, calling all people and all nations to himself. Um, and all things being equal, if our churches are in multi-ethnic areas, uh, and we are the people in our community can understand what we're saying. You know, we should we should expect to see that beauty and that glory in our local churches. Yeah. Uh, however, it's not something where we should say um, if I'm in an area which is monoethnic, or if I'm in an area which is just one language, that somehow the church is defective because those are the people who are attending. Um, and when when we would now try to do something awkward or artificial with that body would be tinkering rather than simply teaching the word and discipling. Uh, you know, as, as many preachers have said, the word of God is like a lion. Just let the, let the lion loose, open the cage, <laughs> preach the word, teach the word, and you will see God tear down divisions. He will destroy the middle wall of partition between races. 
he will unite them. They will find in each other an incredible commonality that they never could have imagined. Um, and all of this will be without doing the, the kinds of things that worldly consultants tell us we have to do in order to reach racial reconciliation. Tolo, your final thoughts. When we spoke about multicultural churches, we all had the congregants in mind here this morning. Should it be reflected in the leadership of the church as well? Your final thoughts, please. Uh, you mean a multi-ethnic factor in the leadership of the church? Yes. Yes, if God has called people, because First Timothy chapter 3 just tells us who should lead the church and what qualities they should have. So if any man meets those qualities and the deacon that we have also in First Timothy chapter 3 from about verse 8 meet those qualities, then they should be appointed in the church because that's God saying here is your person to lead the church. And that is something beautiful. And in fact, you know, if you have that, you will be able to serve the diverse groups of people that God has brought to your church better. But I also wanted to touch, to touch lastly on, you know, the legacy of apartheid in our country. We must believe firmly that God will do what is just. Biblical justice um, and the finality of it is still to come, and God will will um, deal with the racial and economic injustices or whatever South Africa has gone through. Ours is to be faithful and trust God that he will do what is right in the end because he's a just God. To my brother David De Bruyne and my brother Tzolo Kukunu, bless your heart. Thank you so much for sharing your hearts with us on the topic of multi-ethnic and multicultural churches in South Africa. After all, it's all about the motive of the heart, the intent of the heart, and keeping in mind that Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, is still head of this church. Gentlemen, thank you so much for Amen. chatting to us this morning. Thank, thank you. you very much. God bless you, David, and very nice. Yeah, you too, Tzolo. It's good to chat.